0: Hello, I'm Felix, and welcome to You Gotta Hack That, the podcast all about the security behind the internet of things. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about the delayed attacks against real tech chips that you'll find in loads of places. All right, so to start off with, let's go through what these vulnerabilities are. There's actually four different vulnerabilities in total, and the research was done by a team at OneKey back in August, 2021. A different research team, Unit 42 of Palo Alto, then also found that there was a load of attacks that started back in August 2022, about a year later. These vulnerabilities each have a CVE ID. Now, for those who don't know, CVE is the Global Catalogue of Publicly Known Vulnerabilities. The CVE IDs in this instance are CVE-2021-35392 all the way through to 35395. Of these, the highest gets a 9.8 on CVSS, and CVSS is like a scoring system for 1 to 10, 10 being as bad as it gets. So 9.8 is really high up there. The vulnerabilities affect Realtek chips, specifically the RTL819XD family. These are a system-on-chip or SOC, which means that they do lots of things. They're not just an atomic little thing that, you know, regulates power or or something along those lines. They, They have quite a lot of features to them. And in this instance, they deal with wireless capabilities. It's estimated that about 190 models are affected by these vulnerabilities. And that's from 66 different manufacturers, which really shows that that supply chain problem is quite prevalent mostly these are routers but it also affects like small travel routers or wireless access points and that kind of thing it's focusing around wi-fi simple config the mp daemon and the management web interface so those are the things that are affected by these vulnerabilities the team at unit 42 has identified 134 million observes attacks so far that's probably not the full picture as well there's probably more than that because there's bound to be more equipment out there uh, that they're not able to see in these instances the the vulnerabilities once they're exploited they download some malware and now on the most part that's mirai bashlight which is also known as gaffgit which i'm never sure how to pronounce and Mozzie and red gobot which is a new one since this has uh, been around the vast majority of the attacks came from the United States in this instance, at about 48.3%. Now, I just want to touch on this a little bit, because it's really easy for people in the Western world to think that, you know, those cyber attacks always come from machines that are in ideologically opposed countries, you know, Russia, China, North Korea, that kind of, you know, the stereotypical ones. However, what this shows is that it's not as simple as that attacks come from all over the internet and that's because you know people can use equipment that is in the United States even if you're not in the United States. So attribution at this sort of level is really quite difficult. Just because it came from the United States doesn't mean it was the United States doing the attack. bit of general advice for you all, go and update the firmware on your devices. Now for these particular vulnerabilities that means probably your home router. I have to give you a health warning here though. Please don't go away and break your stuff. If you don't know what you're doing, you need to do some research first or get someone else who does know how to do it because I don't want you to sue me. It's also really important to understand that updating the firmware on your device doesn't necessarily actually protect it from these vulnerabilities. That very much depends on whether the vendor of your device has produced a patch for these vulnerabilities or for any other for that matter. It's still a good idea to go and update the the firmware. And that's because there's bound to be improvements that come with it. And most of the time people have just simply not done it. And this brings me on nicely to how a normal consumer or even an IT department know that they were affected by these bugs. I think the answer is that it would be really difficult to know this now. It depends somewhat on what context we're talking about this from. So if you were one of those manufacturers or a big-scale implementer of these particular bits of kit, then you may well have access to what's known as an SBOM, or a software bill of materials. If you had that, then you may well be able to connect the dots and go, all right, these vulnerabilities have been announced for this chip, and I know that chip is in a lot of my equipment, and therefore I need to go and do something about it. That probably applies mostly to manufacturers, but it could apply to big-scale implementers too. The other side of things, and this is probably an IT department kind of level, is doing vulnerability scans. They might well be able to pick up what's happened, uh, and maybe able to identify what the device is and what version it is, and therefore be able to correlate that with a known public vulnerability. That's a little bit of a maybe, and you'd have to have the technical skill to be able to do that in the first place. The other side of this is mailing lists and announcement uh, feeds, such as RSS feeds. You'd have to be fairly proactive to have got yourself on the mailing list or, you know, the announcement feed for these particular chips, because the chances are you see that black box, that router that does a thing, not necessarily what the components are within that. And so therefore, if you did get it, it'd be like a trickle down effect. So somebody else who is aware of what chips are in there has reposted that against the uh, the manufacturer's vulnerability uh, mailing lists or announcement lists. So this probably means you wouldn't know. And that applies to the manufacturers as much as the IT departments or the consumers. And that's because they need to be able to connect those dots. And frankly, not everybody in the organisation has enough knowledge about all those different components to know whether or not they're affected. So it really does depend on somebody being, you know, clever enough to have prepped for this or have spotted it and then reposted it to the relevant people. All right. So some of you might be thinking, well, 2021 wants its vulnerability back. What's that all about? It's 2023. So I think this is threefold. I think that you know, mostly, why bother rushing? There's no real reason why anybody would need to rush for these particular ones because, well, actually, nobody updates their firmware very often uh let's let's think about why that is just briefly so it's hard you know the the chances are that it's a process that you're not familiar with you need to work out how to do it and you need to upload you know a firmware bob to, to your device and find it in the first place download it make sure it's the correct one all that kind of stuff so that implies that it's also time consuming most of us don't really have any spare time and the last thing we want to do with our you know idle 15 minutes is to to go and work out how to to update a root to a firmware or something on those lines, because. Well frankly, you'd rather have a cup of tea there's also that kind of inevitable risk or that sensation at least that you might brick the device now brick it means breaking it, you know preventing it from working and putting it in a state which is irreversible, something you can't then you know get back again without a lot of specialist knowledge or skill or simply buying another one. And, and that is also related to the next one, which is you can't actually back these up very well. You might well be able to get a config backup, but that doesn't work if you have really screwed it over, you've bricked it, because you can't just apply that back again. Um, it just doesn't work like that. Psychologically, people also think of these things as being magic black boxes that do a thing. So the the very concept that they might be complicated on the inside is is a little bit alien for most of us. And so nobody thinks about needing to update software on them. And finally, it's not automatic. There should be, We're you know, we are in 2023 after all, it should be automatic. These, these devices should be able to know that they're needing update and either tell us that they need an update or get on with it themselves without any interaction, be completely seamless. Now, let's not forget that these attackers are... In fact, you know, they're probably at work. The you know the larger scale attackers don't tend to be teenagers in bedrooms anymore. That's very nineteen nineties. They tend to be people who have, you know, a place of work to go to, an office to, to go to, and they'll have a HR department and you know all of the other stuff that goes with this. And so there's probably other things that are keeping them busy. You know, think about your own day at work is actually your job is supposed to be doing, you know, X, but inevitably it's X plus a load of other other tasks and meetings and gobbins that you don't really interested in but you still have to go and do that just applies to them as much as it does to us and there's another instance but I think that probably doesn't apply to this which is it's possible that you know exploit, uh, exploit code was non-trivial and that it wasn't actually released when you know when people wanted it back when the vulnerability was released that the proof of concept might have been there but it wasn't good enough to actually take advantage of which means there's you know a bit of dev work now, I don't think that's the case in this instance because when I've looked at the research, a there was a pretty good read. Uh, you know, you could identify exactly how to take advantage of it from the, the original research, but also it wasn't exactly a complicated bug to take advantage of. It was pretty simple. So that nicely brings us to the supply chain problem. Modern systems are seriously complicated, and that applies to those magic black boxes as much as you know big IT infrastructure, and and that means that you know actually having somebody who knows that all of those things are connected together and they're subject to these vulnerabilities is pretty unlikely. Inevitably, these devices are built pretty cheaply too. Security is a cost, and so it is often avoided. And the reasons for that are, you know, they're, they're, they're largely driven by the fact that people don't want to buy more expensive items than they have to. So if, if you're stood in a shop and you're looking at two different routers, and one is, you know, half as much again than the other, which one are you going to choose? You're probably going to go for the cheaper one, unless there's a reason for you to do that. And security is inevitably quite a difficult thing to, to do. Marketing. Marketing on and make it clear that someone's taken seriously. There's been loads of attempts over the years, and and some of that's worked, but inevitably it's not that good. It's also worth thinking about the fact that that kind of psychological, I want the cheaper component thing. Is applicable not just at the end, you know, at the consumer level, but actually all the way through that supply chain. And that's because, you know, if if you are buying these chips and you can get them for you know five p cheaper or something if you go to a different manufacturer, uh, then you can make sure that when you scale that up to these devices, that actually it, it's costing you a lot less overall. I mean, you know, if, if you are building one hundred thousand units and you are you know saving five p for each of those, that's quite a lot of money, really there's also no visibility up or down the supply chain now that means that you know if if a manufacturer is uh, making a a consumer end device you know router or something like that then if they identify a vulnerability they could if they wanted to they could tell that manufacturer about um Sorry, they could tell the chip manufacturer that they've discovered a vulnerability and maybe something would happen about that. But the chances are they're probably not going to do that because uh, they they just have to get on with doing the job. So it, it takes extra effort. But even if they did, that then chip manufacturer wouldn't necessarily know who's bought the chips other than that one company that's got in contact with them which means they have no way of distributing that knowledge to anybody else except announcing it publicly. And security is still one of those things where if you don't have to announce it publicly, sometimes companies don't like doing it. Now, I'm not a you know a fan of that. I think we should always announce vulnerabilities because that way people actually take advantage of fixing them, never mind taking advantage of exploiting them. And this works side to side, if you see as well, because if you are a company that makes a router, you can't necessarily tell your competitors that there's a vulnerability in their kit. And, you know, why would you do that unless you happen to to like them? Uh, But also, you probably don't know them all. So that means that this this kind of this sprawling mass of, of random devices that are being made, some of them might be patched and some of them might not be. It's kind of indicative that this wasn't really uh, discovered in the first place. It shows that the software development lifecycle has no security element in it You know, throughout that entire chain. Because it was such a simple bug, it really shows that nobody was doing any testing all the way back to those chip manufacturers that's not a good thing you know if you look at any web application these days from from the bigger vendors at least what you tend to find is they have got really rigorous testing and uh security assessment process before that can get released uh to to the wild and even if it does get released to the wild before it's gone through proper security testing there's inevitably like penetration testing that comes afterwards that checks for those things anyway that clearly wasn't done for these devices there's a real chance that the contractors or agencies were involved in the uh, development of those chips or of the the various different parts of that supply chain and there you know the chances are that those contractors or those agencies are no longer involved in that project because once the fin- thing is finished you know why would you still be there and and so that's that's fine but that means that nobody knows what was you know what went into that device in the first place or you know that kind of stuff the the corporate knowledge has been lost when those contractors left it also you know the chances are that this could be old code which makes it difficult to maintain and i don't just mean that from a nobody's got the skill anymore in that particular language point of view but i also mean it in a well actually how do we get a development environment to work correctly if we've not got code that works on modern systems with you know modern kernels for instance which is really common when it comes to IOT, then how do you get that working? Well you have to have really chunky uh, VMs or you know you have to maintain a laptop that does the build process properly or something along those lines which makes it really specific and nobody really wants to play with it because you might break it or you might discover that it is now broken and then it becomes your problem to fix it so overall there's kind of no motivation to get patches out for any of these devices to consumers you know there is no real demand signal and even if there was it's it's hard to do the uk has got some provisions that are coming into force which is uh, under the psti act which means that some of this stuff will hopefully start to get better but it's it's got a long way to go yet so what do I think? Uh, I think that this is a really good demonstration of how IoT devices are not necessarily taken care of as well as they should be. And that accounts for us as consumers all the way through that supply chain, all the way back to the the, the chip manufacturers themselves. We, we need to get better at doing updates and patching on these things because that would make a really big difference on whether or not they're secure or not. Thanks for listening today. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Please give the show a rating or review in your podcast app. We'd really appreciate it. To talk to us about any aspect of the show, suggest a future topic, or to ask a question about IoT security, please get in touch via email on helpme at yg.ht or with at gotta underscore hack via Twitter.